0: Episode number ninety-six. That off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lo.
0: And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt.
1: You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast.
0: Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life.
1: Let's get into the show. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast.
0: Hooray! Hooray!
1: Well, we're, gonna, and
0: we're diving deep today.
1: And I've got water. Where's my coffee? Have it's you there. ordered it? I had a, I drank one, and he's taking a cup away, but I didn't get a chance to order another one. But that's all right. Water's good.
0: Okay, well, um, I have a coffee update, which is that I know I'm super late on the coffee train, but I've finally tried cold brew. I'm oh, like we'll a late see, adopter, man. I, I I'm a late that's... adopter with most things. So here I tried cold brew, but it was tasty.
1: Is it? Um, was I didn't like... make
0: it. I didn't make it. I bought it at the store.
1: Is that like having the cold tea?
0: Well, cold brew, you have to leave like overnight. And you, see, my problem with it is you have to use a lot more coffee grounds to make it. Right. But it's supposed to be like smooth and take away but all the cold. acidity and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cold brew. Yeah. You did the same thing my husband Steven did. So, so you have to drink it cold. I was like, yeah, it's kind of essential in the cold brew kind so of thing. So I imagine thing. when they
1: started making iced tea, that's how tea drinkers were probably thinking, what? Ice in the tea? Like, even here, these guys don't necessarily like iced tea. Yeah, my
0: mom's in town, so we've got iced tea in our fridge the now. The
1: idea of iced yeah. tea is like, what? Why? So, so that's, uh,
0: that's my coffee update. But I uh, haven't
1: bought into iced coffee yet, so sorry.
0: Okay. <laughs> moving on. We'll wait for your hot on, coffee.
1: I haven't had a mystical experience to move me enough to... Have a cold coffee.
0: <laughs> okay, so which is what we're talking
1: about—mystical yes. experiences. Yes. Yeah.
0: There's this great. Shall I hit you with a big quote yeah, to start go for us off? It. Okay. Did you read that Bertrand Russell thing? So he's written uh, you know, so Bertrand Russell, the philosopher, so yeah. he's um, written this uh, just essay. That's the title to a book of essays called Mysticism and Logic, which was great and great for us as sort of. Um, philosophers who do rather than yeah anyway so he says um, that there's two conflicting human impulses one urging men towards mysticism and the other urging them towards science but the greatest men who have been philosophers have felt the need both of science and mysticism and attempt to harmonize the two was what made their life and then he says and what always must for it for all its arduous uncertainty make philosophy a greater thing than either science or religion. So it's like the kind of compulsion to blend the sort of mystic insight with the what do we see with our senses and what can we observe empirically kind of thing that makes philosophers so great. So here we are. Cheers.
1: I like like that idea about the blend of the two, of mysticism and science, because there has been that divergence of you know, are yeah. either off in the ecstasy and mysticism and divorced from anything real. Real. Yeah. Um, or you're all the way to the rational side and it's science and all that other stuff is new age, hokey pokey yeah. nonsense. So then you got, but I think this idea of the blend, isn't it? Um,
0: well, I think we sort of sit in that middle ground somewhere, yeah. both of us, but. Yeah. So anyway, I thought I that was. I think I'm a right good... there. I'm
1: definitely a middle grounder. Like I like both mysticism and science, and I think there's a place for for both. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Because you're trying to explore. Well, I guess you're just trying to explore what 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 is what is this thing that we're doing? Yeah. Totally. You know, and, and then what's is there anything that's sort of greater than what we're doing, and what's the connection to all of that? And because um, I think mysticism's been. Well, it's been a topic, well, it's been something that I've been involved in. Yeah, it's it's something I've been attracted to for ages. Okay. Um, Probably going back to a young kid. Before I knew the words mysticism, but there was always this kind of search for something. Something that was outside of organized religion. Right. So my parents were very... Spirit, you know, religious, I was going to say spiritual, but they were more religious than spiritual. And so we had all the church thing, and then there's all this God thing, and you think there's this other force that's out there. And know, yeah, as a kid you're trying to well, I guess at the beginning you just believe that there's some other <laughs> these Yeah, are, but then you're yeah. trying to access it a little bit. Yeah, and then you're trying to yeah. a- access it because yeah. the adults are around you are, are telling you about devils and angels and these things that you should be able to interact with. or, But then and and the adults around you who are having the experiences, I don't know what church you kind of went to, but like my church is one of these very spiritual kind of speaking in tongues and people connecting with the Holy Ghost kind of place. So you see others doing that, then you think, okay, well, there's something wrong with me because I'm not having this, yeah. myth, this that kind of mystical experience. There's no, I'm inside my head, <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be anybody else in there <laughs> hooking me up with these kind of things. So. Yeah. It was that search for, for not, I wanted to have it be something that wasn't just in my mind. Like, like that it was real. Like, yes. Like for God to come and pull this chair okay. out, sit down and say, Clay, I'm Here's God. Here's the answer. Yeah, yeah, what, here what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Come on, let's talk. Let's rap. Not, you know, you have yeah. to wait to the end of the world before, you know, he, he'd come back. But other people say that they're speaking to him now. So, yeah. So that's been my quest, my search Yep. Yes.
0: So where did you first come across the concept of mysticism? Do you remember?
1: Well, it was through the whole sort of martial arts gig, so okay. watching uh, kung fu theater. <laughs> did you watch that when you were a kid, kung fu no. theater? No. Because all the warriors and stuff, they had all these mystical powers, didn't you know? So they were great warriors and they could do the impossible. Um, but they were always—it was, you know, the connection to Zen, Zen Buddhism, and, and that sort of thing, and then meditation. And so, their journey always was a journey of spirituality and connecting with this larger force again. And through that larger force, gave them
0: right. It didn't yes.
1: give them magical powers. It
0: gave them but, powers beyond. But it—it
1: yeah. it, it gave them the full use of themselves as human beings. So part of the issues that I think that we have in a sort of maybe modern society is maybe we've forgotten who we are and we're detached from what we're actually capable of because some people, are, as we're saying here, it's science and all the other stuff is hocus-pocus, so don't believe those things. And so we're cut off from those things, whereas it seemed through these characters that they reconnect through meditation, through studying, through using the body. They reconnect with that. Force themselves, and then they're able to do feats that any human could do if they go on that journey.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So that was it. So I wanted my my magical powers.
0: (laughs) There's a a good quote about the difference between mysticism and religion that I got off this Christian mysticism book that says, which it sort of helped me like differentiate, like what are we talking about here. So it says, mysticism is the art of union with God mysticism is the exper- um, experiential core of spirituality contrasted with religion which is an organized assembly of rituals beliefs and codes of conduct that are derived from spirituality
1: that yes. sounds right doesn't yeah. it yeah
0: yeah because yeah. um, yeah.
1: that was it because i think people at least from my experience in growing up is that there was always this religion and religion for me had all these rules and all these rules about what you do's and don'ts and shall you you shall and shall not do this or do that and you had all these rules and if you didn't follow the rules then you go to hell if you follow the rules and you go to heaven and and it always seemed like in The Matrix when they you say you know, to deny our own impulses is, is to deny our very selves and it seemed through the sort of religious track at least I experienced for me growing up that you had to you couldn't be connected with your, with your humanness and anything that yeah. was good or any, anything that was not praying it was all you know so sort the of devil work kind of thing um and so and i guess what i've always thought from the mystical, or at least my experience and my journey through mysticism was to put aside the religious bit and the man's attachment to making these rules for whatever power control whatever that might be but to I didn't want that to interfere with this search for God or search for this yeah, higher right. force sort search. And I always held the belief that, you know, individually you can make that journey. I didn't have to belong to a group or organization or anything that I could make that connection directly.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is yeah. very
1: much an, along the mystical order in that sort of sense.
0: Yeah, totally. Um... I was just trying to think of when I first came across the idea of mysticism because like you know, sort of grew up in the church and I grew up in a Lutheran church which is literally like Martin Luther was the first one to break off the Catholic church yeah. so it's like you know it's pretty close sort of things to the, That's to right. the church so, door so Lutheranism is very similar to Catholicism you know like there's not we haven't gone that far we're not speaking in tongues in right. the church you know Um, There's a lot of saying the Nicene Creed and, you know, doing that, you know, just doing the ritual kind of thing. And uh, I think like you, I sort of wasn't very satisfying, you know, but at the same time, I sort of felt like there must be something to this. I don't know why I thought that, but. So I remember, I just sort of jogged this whole mysticism reading, jogged my memory of when I first traveled um, and did my interrailing like post high school. So I saved up all through high school so that I could go around Europe before university. And in Rome, in a little church, there's a statue by um, this sculptor called um, Bernini that's called the Ecstasy of St. Teresa. And I think that was really my first sort of encounter with sort of true mysticism in, in I suppose, a, you know the Christian mysticism. Because there's this statue, and I'll put the, a picture of it in the show notes, but this statue is of St. Teresa being pierced through the heart by an angel carrying an arrow. And it's sort of meant to depict... The, the actual experience of, like, the divine entering the human body. And so St. Teresa, and, and then there's the, the little bit that she... So this is obviously, like, the artist's interpretation of her stuff, like what happened to her. But then in that church, there's a description that she wrote of her experience. And so, shall I read it?
1: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
0: So she says beside me on the left appeared an angel in bodily form he was not tall but short and very beautiful and his face was so aflame that he appeared to be one of the highest rank of angels who seemed to be all on fire in his hand i saw a great golden spear and at the iron tit there appeared to be a point of fire this he plunged into my heart several times so that it penetrated to my entrails then he pulled it out and i felt that he took them with it and left me utterly consumed by the great love of God. The pain was so severe that it made me utter several moans. The sweetness caused by this intense pain is so extreme that one cannot possibly wish it to cease. Nor is one's soul content with anything but God. This is not a physical but a spiritual pain, though the body has some share in it, even a considerable share. And I just, I I looked that up today, but I remember reading that as soon as I read it, you know... And I just remember, like, looking at that statue and being like, wow, I have not felt that. Yeah. You know, and sort of there's that feeling of, uh, I suppose, like, almost jealousy a little bit. That's like.
1: Well, you want to know if it's real, don't you? Yeah. And you want to, you know, that was my thing. It was like, I want to, you know, these people, and they describe it in such vivid detail. And you're like, well, I I want to. Know what that's like. What that's like. And is that real? Or is that something that you've created in your head and you just believe it so much that you've had that experience or is it something that outside of self and then anyone can access that because i do have the question of why is it if it's a journey back to self so if you look at some of the kabbalah aspect and the zero and the nothing and the no thing and this this journey back to the void or connecting with the void um and it's something that we can do we have access mm-hmm. to this why are we why are we cut off from it and why do we that, these are my questions why are we cut off from it why do we have to make
0: such an effort to yeah, get it why mm. can't we
1: just you know chill you just walk and we breathe, and no one had to teach me how to breathe I don't did, did we have to get taught how to breathe no yeah so I wanted to be like that we're You know, I just know how to breathe. Says the woman who's brought a few children into
0: the world. No, I did not teach my children how to
1: breathe. um, But that's what I wanted to be. Whereas it seems like there's got all these different rules and paths and religions and sects and um, cults and things who say that they have a, if you follow their path, then you can have that, you'll lead you to that experience.
0: Yeah, that's what was sort of... I didn't get too far into that Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. Because, mm. I mean, I suppose all of this is still, like, we're in the world of Christian mysticism, particularly. But, um... Have you, have you read the whole thing? Because, basically, what my understanding, which I had not heard... I had not understood before, was that his description was, like, of many nights leading up into the Dark Night of the Soul. Yes. And that this is a whole sort of, I wrote this down too in my no, notes. Not good. <laughs> if I can find it. Um, that it's a method followed by the soul in its journey upon the spiritual road to the attainment of the perfect union of love with God to the extent that that's possible. So it's like, the, like the just, his dark night of the soul is a description of the method but that you have to go through all this stuff like purification and yeah. letting go of this and that and, and sort of preparing for this union. Yeah. Which, again, like, I think that's what's so, sort of different about organized religion and sort of some of the, like the approach that, that, I, that I've been taught in Buddhism, for instance, which is like that there's a process of training that you are sort of in a state of taking everything that appears to you as real and not questioning it. And if you start to interrogate it, you can, and, and sort of train the mind so that you can be aware of what's happening in your mind rather than just pulled along by it. But that idea of sort of, that, that you obviously have in martial arts as well, or that, you know, it's like, there's a training process, hmm. you know, that, that it, this isn't, not that it isn't something that anyone can access. It's probably kind of like walking.
1: We had to learn how to walk, didn't we?
0: Yeah, but then also, I think our, like... So this is this is a little bit of a deviation, but this is like what I'm writing about in my novel at the yeah. moment. Is like, so the second novel I'm writing is underneath this sort of big plot is this a, is this exact question, like how do we become lost from our true selves? Like if this is, if our union with God or our access to the divine or to wisdom whatever you want to call it is sort of not only a birthright but like part of our nature then why is it not just like we can just click our hands and or snap our fingers and like have it
1: i know the answer to it
0: oh good i do
1: know why now
0: oh good but it
1: was part of our conversation that we started earlier and we'll have to do a podcast on it but some of the stuff i'm studying with the whole sort of postmodernism and cyberpunk stuff in particular.
0: Okay, well, I didn't have to worry about my deviation because, woo, yeah. well, cyberpunk.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, they'll lead right into it. But I think, you know, what? Why do we? Why do we get cut off? I think we get cut off because we've been diver- We've been diverted. Through society, I think this
0: is the thing we've been trained in a certain way.
1: Exactly, and everything's been trained out of it, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, our whole—you know—if you you start, and I think that's a good process. That process of, and maybe that's it. Like you hit, uh, you got to go on this journey because you got to unpack all the stuff that's been, all your programming that you had, all the things that you've been when you were, you know, when you were come out of the womb, and you're, you know, it's a fresh piece of software there. And then suddenly, everyone's programming it against your will. You have no control over what people are programming into you. So they've programmed a computer, your brain, and then you know the body starts acting in accordance with this programming that's been given, and it just believes that that's what it is. Until we start to question, and then we start questioning, and you got to unpack all that stuff, and then.
0: I think the other thing about mysticism is there's this great. Um, I think it's in his book of. Uh, big questions which is right up our alley but it's uh, so there's this uh, Jewish American guy who's become a Buddhist Lama um, and he's called Lama Surya Das now and uh, he's really funny he writes great books but he was describing how he was going into schools and sort of just telling about Buddhism you know like now this is this kind of thing that we do or doing sort of a mindfulness kind of exercise and he, he had them the children listen to his singing bowl and see if they could follow the sound and one, you know, in, in his book one of the kids, or one of, in his telling of the story one of the kids pipes up at the end like, so what did you find? and he said, I found God you know, like I followed the sound and, but, but if you think about a person, like, if someone said that in my church, I'm not sure it would have been okay. Like, I think sometimes yeah. the thing about the mystical experience is that if kids have certain experiences, certain interpretations or whatever, sometimes that's not a packaged in a way that adults in that particular religion want to hear it
1: well, no, it's, it's exactly not according
0: that. To, to the exactly. rules and then well, how much do you
1: it's 100% that it's, it's here and that was my problem I guess but the organized aspect of it is that you've got to have these rules and it's going to look like this and you got to do this and here's what that experience to do any deviation of that and then you're being tempted you're being um, you know yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think Satan's so. doing his thing yeah like he, they say like, um, like kids who have their imaginary friends and stuff and um, it, where I grew up, if you had an imaginary friend, for you know, the adults in my life, that was Satan trying to lead oh, you astray. Yeah. And I had an imaginary friend called Monkey. Okay. That was my friend for quite a long time. That you know, just, I used to do everything with this, whatever it was, and it, maybe it was an angel, a spirit, who knows. Do
0: you have a, a visual image in your mind of what he looked like?
1: no it was just a presence it was just a presence and the presence that I carried on serious conversations with and did things with and all of that so right. the adults in my life for them that was a concern because for them if you're having that kind of interaction it can't be of anything good it's only coming from bad huh. and so for them that kind of stuff was frowned upon yeah but then you have to think okay well what was I experience I mean I can have no way of reconnecting with that now because yeah. you know it, you, I was gonna say it got beat out of me, but I don't think it went to that extreme. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. you know, it get you know, it got molded out of it, and it's make believe, and it's this, and it's that, and to the point where you believe that those kind of things are just fairy tale stuff. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You know, and, you know, my mum was. You know, they were literally very, very concerned about how in- connected and intense of a relationship I had with my invisible friend yeah and um, so I must have been experiencing something but for me it was normal but for them it was bad and then they made me not have that and so now I don't know what that was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll carry on alright so while you are um, topping up your coffee <laughs> I want you to have a think about the big question Because that's something that we got coming up for episode number 100.
0: So we've got, we're four weeks away.
1: Yeah, is it four weeks?
0: We're 96, episode 96 today. So you've got a few weeks still to think about your big question. What's the big question that drives you? Like, if you were gonna sit down in the Havana Cafe, and talk about the ultimate question. What would your ultimate question be? be?
1: And I know two people, Jonathan's working on his big question and we have Dave. Dave's working on his big question. So I'd be interested to see what those are. But for others, uh, we want you to to think about what would be your big question and what's the question that would. It could be about anything. It could be about work
0: related. It could be about purpose. It could be about spiritual stuff. It could be about time. It could be literally anything.
1: Anything. Excellent. All right. Get that coffee topped up and let's get back into the game.
0: Okay, so moving beyond Christian mysticism, we've got mystic stuff happening in sort of all religions, sort of if you think about like a bubble off the side of it or something, isn't it? It's like the people who I suppose are like you and I, like in the religion and it's not satisfying something and they're wanting a direct experience.
1: And maybe that's the distinction, isn't it? You want a direct experience as opposed to maybe necessarily... Going through a path like yeah. a, like an organized religion, because as you say, every every religion um, has its mystical sort of branch. So you yeah. got Christian mysticism, you've got alchemy, you've got um, Kabbalah for the uh, Jewish yeah, you got Sufi-
0: Sufism, for the for Islam.
1: Yeah, and then there's sects of sort of Taoism and mm-hmm. stuff that. And and the mystical other ju-
0: ju- yeah, sorry the go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, go ahead
0: no, yeah. the... Um, one of the things I studied a lot more of in all my Indian sort of studies was there are a lot of mystic poet saints yeah. um, that sort of were wanderers singing these songs. They're called bhakti saints. And it's a lot of their, so they use a lot of imagery about the bride and the bridegroom. So even the men will sing of themselves as the bride in relation to God who's the bridegroom Mm. and these kind of things. But the thing that sort of occurs to me is that there's sort of similarities, I suppose, between, despite the fact that there's so many religious differences and doctrinal differences and ways of, like ritual differences between Mm. all these different religions, the mystical experience comes a lot closer than the religions do, I think. And one of the things that you see in everything is that everything's about love, isn't it? It's like, isn't Rumi, uh, another one yeah. of these sort of
1: yeah, mystics?
0: Yes. So, yeah, everything is sort of described as, and any kind of union with the divine is, is mo- most commonly described as a sort of experience of of intense love or something like that. So, yeah. uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um Yeah.
1: But and and is it something that we feel driven to find? Just like I don't know, salmon are swimming up the river to find a place to spawn. Do we are we is there something that's pulling us to try and make this connection somehow? I think we'll do the religion or we'll do the
0: I think so, but then you you know, I think I you do, see, you do see the divide it that Bertrand Russell describes of like there are some people that are much more attracted to a, a logical analytic side, and so they are interested in what you can see and what you can wit, you know witness with the senses basically and 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 but know that, with the senses. The mm-hmm. only thing is of course that 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 requires you to trust your senses. And for the mystic, there's my understanding is that there's a for all mystics no matter what sort of religion you're coming off of if any, there's this idea that there's a a reality or a god or a the whatever voice. you want to avoid the underneath Naku. the the appearance of things. Yeah. So if you're taking appearances as real and the only reality, then you're still in an illusion, yeah. according to them. Yeah. So, you know.
1: Like one of my favorite sayings from Blake, is it the whole sort of, there are things that are known and things unknown, and in between are the doors of perception, or the doors this is apparently where the, oh. the doors got their name from from that poem, but yeah, so. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Um, I like that. It's, and it's and some of the stuff I study in the sort of that sort of w- the warrior literature stuff um, is around connecting to the, yeah. the void or the nirgrahal or the um, this this place beyond this place where, as you say, if you just connect into your senses and you're still in this part of the illusion because the senses are connected to this world. And allows you to experience this world, but there's something. Well, then everything's sort of
0: filtered through our perception and our mind and the way that we have been taught to think about things and categorize things and stuff like that. So, I mean, one of the things that Bertrand Russell points out, which I thought was also really interesting, is that you have this in science or in an analytic kind of mentality of looking for truth or whatever, is sort of a slow, arduous process of, of watching and recording and thinking about it and, and everything sort of slow and builds up, whereas the mystic is acknowledges that there can be a sort of sudden and conclusive insight that wisdom, so he says, there's a belief in, among all mystic traditions, a belief in insight against discursive analytic knowledge to a belief in a way of wisdom sudden penetrating coercive contrasted with the slow and fallible he says study of outward appearances by a science relying wholly upon the senses mm. so i mean i guess this is him talking about mysticism and logic and how these two things actually need to maybe work together and stuff but um
1: i was also as you were talking about the sort of physical aspect because there's a uh couple of paragraphs ago I was just thinking about um, the movie Point Break mm-hmm. and the, you know, surfing was a way to connect
0: Yeah, right Yeah, divine. that was Bodhi's thing wasn't it? Yeah, well, Bodhi was meaning a, Yeah, yeah.
1: But, but, but absolutely so finding your way to that space through the physical realm yeah. um, which again if you think about the martial arts that was part of it so almost the self-mastery yeah, of the body and mind opens the door to this other place.
0: Yeah, right. And
1: then it becomes like you were mentioning earlier in the first half about it becomes more of a way of life, not a thing I got to do on Sunday or I got to do. The, it, right. It just becomes your way of of doing everything. It's your way of life. It's your way of, of the way that you you do things and I know a lot of the um sort of martial arts mystic kind of approaches that everything that you do is a part of your practice from drinking your water drinking your tea to yeah um anything and so anything that you do regardless of what it is you do it within the framework of your practice and it's because all of it is a part of helping you to make that connection with and maintaining that connection sort of with the divine or right. the, the bigger self. And
0: yeah, yeah. 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 They, um, another thing was sort that I hadn't really thought of is the, the negative side of mysticism, which is the... So if, if you think about the aim of mysticism being union with the divine and this sort of experience of ecstasy or love or, you know, something positive, I suppose all of the people who have had mystical experiences, so you think about the Christian tradition or the Indian bhakti poet saints or hmm. whatever, they also all all describe painful periods of doubt. And um, in, I suppose, so this is again from the Bertrand Russell essay, but he's, he sort of talks about the fact that there is this negative side to mysticism, where we have this experience of a, of a, or a strange feeling of unreality in common objects, or a loss of contact with daily things, or sort of that the solidity of the outside world becomes in doubt, and then it's sort of a feeling of—it's
1: like a bad mushroom trip or LSD yeah, trip. Yeah, You yeah. can't tell if it's real or not real. The real world, you, you yeah. are doubting.
0: So you know. And, and this might be, you know, and, and for the mystic tradition, I suppose, this is the preparation of the mind for the union with true wisdom and true knowing of what is beyond mm. what we see. And
1: that was part but, of the, the training is so that you don't lose yourself on both ends. So, like, we've, so we, we almost aren't given a choice but to buy into the world here with our five senses and the like and whatever programming that we get from those around us. And I think when you're training in one of these traditions and the way that you're doing it is to prepare you so that you don't get lost in the other side.
0: Yeah, right. So
1: that this dark side, this uh, this stuff isn't... Real, yeah. And, you know, yeah. You, so that you don't get tra- trapped in that side of it. because but you again, keep going. Yeah, but you, well, you keep going and you keep your sense of your being, of, of you, and not being seduced by either side yeah one of my favorite um zen sayings about enlightenment was this what happens before enlightenment is you carry water chop wood carry water aspect after enlightenment chop wood carry water so people want this big giant experience and think once i have it then i'll stay in that ecstasy forever where in actuality it happens but you carry on doing your day-to-day stuff you don't lose touch with this world
0: right
1: even though you had experience of a another reality or another world which is which is
0: easy to do i guess
1: yeah absolutely you can get seduced by that end and 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 i guess my my whole quest is always one of the things i tell you this is the biggest thing that i want (laughs) is i want to see something from these other worlds, as clear as I'm holding in glass right now. That's my ultimate aim. But I, if
0: you see it as clearly as that glass is, will you know it to be something from another world?
1: But then we can have the conversation about that when I have the conversation with the the thing from this other world <laughs> that's what I want because I you yeah. can have them in like when I did the whole shamanism thing and part of that you know we've got another sort of mystic tradition isn't it so you know you can travel to the uh, underworld and mid-world and upper upper worlds and yeah um, but it, it happens inside of your mind and you have you know and some people you know when I was doing my training and you know they would be describing things in great visual details as if you know, they were there and seen it and um, and then, yeah I have glimpses in my mind, but it's in my you know it's inside of my head and I'm like, you know what I'm, that's cool and it was a good experience but
0: <laughs> it wasn't I, like holding that glass it
1: wasn't like holding that glass. Yeah. I wanted to be like I am right here in this space and time yeah. that's how I want to yeah. exist in this alternate reality just because it seems like fun it's probably and i'm getting a to lower tone tone here is why i wanted to have the a zombie apocalypse man i want to have this how <laughs> I want, I want the world to you've be done really unreal. well this
0: episode because you've slid in a quote from the matrix yeah. and you've got the zombie apocalypse that's two points
1: yeah absolutely good work <laughs> on mysticism
0: no doubt yeah. well done but yes
1: this is what i'm after man <laughs> It's definitely what I'm after. Okay, so what do we... And we're going to do more on this topic, because, I mean, mysticism is huge. And as you've mentioned, there's, there's the Christian mysticism, there's yep. the Kabbalah, and there's shamanism, and there's
0: Yeah, I would, I would love alchemy, to know more about and, Kabbalah and stuff, particularly because that was like, well, this isn't why I want to know about it, but it sort of became all the rage for a while, because Madonna was doing it. And mm. do you remember that whole thing? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It's sort of like, yeah...
1: I, I enjoyed the Kabbalah in terms of all the sort of symbology and understand. You know, again, you start looking at what does a symbol mean? Like, what, is, what does nothing mean? The word. And then when you break the word apart, the no thing, and this whole, like, before you're born, there's a no thing. There's you know, There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that whole sort of, you know, you know, doing being the writer and all that sort of stuff, I just yeah. love to play on the language and the symbolism. But you know, you just see the word nothing and think nothing of it. Yeah. Um, but forget about that language is a symbol itself. Right. Um, and then that's a part of part of the Kabbalah aspect is recognizing and understanding yeah. the various different symbols and the combinations of unlock different things. I
0: think the interesting thing about mysticism for me is. Um, the guy who I sort of think of as my teacher now, who's sort of um, that I'm learning meditation stuff from, has, has sort of passed on the joke about how, or not a joke particularly, but about how if two philosophers meet and they get along or they agree, one of them's not a philosopher, but if two practitioners meet, two spiritual practitioners meet, and they disagree, one of them is not a practitioner so the idea is like underneath all of these traditions the experience of it whatever language you might put to it mm. is going to muddle it up a bit whereas the, but, but the experience of it should all be the same yeah. you know and I, I think that there's something I find makes sense about all that I find this whole this is the right way this is the wrong way to be kind of annoying <laughs> Honestly. Well, yeah.
1: And I think that was the whole th- maybe one of the attractions I think to me for mysticism is that you, it, you can, I mean there are mystical orders if you want to go that route but you could also <laughs> very much um, go your own route to I think, it.
0: Yeah and I think that's the sort of thing is like there's something that appeals to my scientific side of my mind that if all of these people from all of these different times and all of these different places in the world and all of these different societies and cultures and religious traditions are all are, are saying stuff in common about this experience that they've had and something about that must be true mm. like that's my that's my feeling about it
1: and what about things like um i mentioned magic mushrooms and lsd and all these things are the um ayahuasca and a DMT. And there's a bunch of other stuff that you can take that apparently breaks down this reality to allow you to see into yeah. the other reality. And then what makes me think, you know, is there something to that in the sense that why is the government so wanting to suppress but that? But you know happen? what? I, th-
0: I think about that too. I think there's something about the training... That needs to happen there too, because people can have experiences that they're not that they can't really handle. Mm. Whether I don't know whether that's something that like
1: you need a good guide.
0: You need you need to prepare for it. Mm. Because
1: Well because you can well, you can you can get Yeah. So on, on all these journeys you can get lost. Like if we go yeah. back to Joseph Campbell and we think about the hero's journey, part of the hero's journey is when you go on it and then you go into your dark night of the soul or the belly of the well where you're completely alone and you have your um, experience that and you make it through and you get the elixir and I think people usually stop kind of there but there's the return and part of that whole idea is you got to make it back to the ordinary world. Sometimes the hero or heroine gets seduced by this otherworldliness and they never make it back and they get stuck into that space and so they don't complete the journey because they're stuck Mm. in that mystical place and but the completion of it is the return and it's just as much work to get back as it was to get there so both ways is a perilous journey right and you don't always make it back from it and i think you know if you you know, you're doing some of this sort this of, um I think psycho- that's the thing. psychotropic it, drug type thing that yeah,
0: yeah if you
1: don't have a good guy, so if you're doing it for recreation and you're just playing around with stuff that's very potent and then you get you lose track of what is real um versus if you're doing this for well, your mystical experience or yeah, your yeah. spirituality um, and wanting to connect with it in a reverent way I guess um, but even then you need a a good Guide yeah, in those sort of spaces, but yeah yeah yeah,
0: that's interesting, because it is it is there's all that there's definitely that kind of thing in a lot of traditions that the experience is so wonderful and powerful you just want to stay there, but yeah. it itself is not it, it's not
1: permanent yeah, and maybe that all leads back to this idea of it being um a way of life or a practice as in yeah, right. it's not a thing that you do on a s- Sunday or a Saturday or once a week or once a month it's like how you live your life in totality from yep. the time you wake up until the time you go to bed that you're always mindful and being in that space and you, know, you treat everything in the same way so there's no separation right, between, yeah, yeah, yeah. between those things so. yeah, yeah, yeah yes I guess that's
0: the the reward when you get back. Knowing how to do
1: that, I mean. Yeah, and to blend in and not lose touch with reality, you still got to get up and chop wood, carry water, do the same things that you did before you've had your experience. Um, Yeah, yeah, okay, very good. I'm going to have a mystical experience with another cup of coffee, I think. But not cold (laughs) brew. And you know what I wrote down in my my diary today, because... and I guess it directly relates to this, is that, that the remainder of this year is me dedicating myself to finding my way back to me through the body.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's if you're looking for a way to these mystical experiences, I think there's, there is something about that. What extremes that you can push your body through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in those extremities, you learn stuff about yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: And the. And it it puts a, you into
0: a different mental state.
1: It puts you in a different mental state. And then, you, you know, if you're talking about having an adversary, an adversary being bringing the best out of you, your adversary is that in their self. And then that you're. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you learn a whole lot about yourself through that sort of that sort of space and there was um, and I know we probably need to close it down I was just thinking about the Tim Galway books In the uh, one was about tennis the inner tennis and oh, there's something yeah, tennis right, something right, like right. that because um, if you read that whole of that book I know a lot of people use it now for coaching and that kind of thing but if you go to the other end of that um, it's more than just about tennis and it's more than just about what people are using it for as a coaching aspect because he has that part in the end of it, if you go all the way to the end where he's talking about it's his, when he learned how to surf and again this connection that the wave becomes your adversary but it's for the it's for the attainment of self mastery and so you, you're learning okay. about yourself through your adversary which is the wave which then becomes your f- friend but it's also your adversary but it makes you to to grow and Whatever you throw at it, it throws back at you. So if you go with the wrong attitude, then that sort of thing. Yeah, right, right, right. It's having that um, connection. Cool. All right. Good stuff. Looking forward to the next conversation on mysticism. I know. We've
0: got lots of ideas. Lots of questions.
1: Very. Loads of questions.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our, contemplate, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.